Coming up on this week's show, we have author Marshall Thornton and voice artist Joel Leslie, and they're here to talk about their collaboration on the audiobook of Femme. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knaus. Welcome to episode 104 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamsrights.com. And I'm Will from willknaus.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can become a supporter of this podcast in just a few moments. Welcome back to another episode. Happy October. Yes, it's already October. How did that happen? I don't know. Um, We've been a bit busy. We've been traveling and doing stuff. Yes, we have. Uh, And so before you catch us up on your writing, I'm going to let everyone know that you have been busy on your series. Like crazy busy. Not only (laughs) is the first book of the Wingers series uh, just about to come out. Yeah, October 17th. You've been busy working on blog posts and some marketing for that first book. Uh, You have been working hard on the edits for the second book in the series. You've uh, pretty much wrapped those up. Those are pretty much done. I wrapped those up this week. We're just down to galleys now. Okay. And you've also managed to squeeze in a little bit of time on the third book. You've gotten back to writing on that one as well. I have. It's it's crazy. (laughs) I don't even... (laughs) I can't even comprehend how you keep any of that straight in your head. It's... It could be hard at times. It was harder when I was editing book one and writing book two. Mm-hmm. Two and three have been a little easier to keep separate in my head, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, well, congratulations. Thank you. That is a monumental task. You are handling it like a pro. So, I uh, it looks that way to the outside <laughs> world. <laughs> I think you're doing a very good job. Thank you. Uh, we also handed in uh, what is essentially the final edits on our co-written book, mm-hmm. The Hockey Player's Heart. Uh, when we have some release information on that particular uh, tome, we'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> and somewhere in there we'll get to do a cover reveal, too. We will indeed, yes. Coming up soon. Coming yeah. soon to an episode near you. Um, we, last week, uh, went on a little trip. Yes, we did. We went down to Sacramento. Uh, as we hinted on in one of the two podcasts we recorded before we left. Last week. Um, we are looking at moving from our roost up near Eureka, California. And Sacramento has been top of that list. And I think Sacramento is the entire list now. Pretty much. I feel pretty good about that. We uh, essentially just went down to explore and check out this local scene. Yeah, and I, I liked what we saw. I did too. We got to hang out with fellow author Scott Coatsworth and his husband Mark. Yeah. And we know there are several other uh, authors in our genre that mm-hmm. live in that area. Uh, they have a lovely LGBT library down there, the Lavender Library, which we got to hang out at. And this one bought a few books from their uh, collection that they are selling off. Parts of, so yeah, that's, that'll be dangerous for us to live near. <laughs> but yeah, I think Sacramento in uh, early 2018 looks like uh, the podcast and, and and us will pick up and move. <laughs> and yes, it will. Woo-hoo. Uh Coming up this week on October 4th, which is NHL opening day. Yay, hockey's back. Uh, Changing on the Fly, the second period comes out. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Uh, this collection of gay romance features authors 
uh, including Heather Lear, V.L. Losey, and R.J. Scott, and myself. Uh, proceeds from the sale of this anthology are all going to the You Can Play Project, which is an organization that is dedicated to ensuring equality, respect, and safety for all athletes without regard to sexual orientation and or gender identity. So very excited to be a part of that anthology. It is available across all of your favorite ebook buying platforms, and we'll have a link in the show notes to it. And I'm happy to say that uh, Heather, VL, and RJ will be here on the show uh, in episode 107 on October 23rd. That is awesome. Yeah, very happy to be giving more to the You Can Play Project. Mm -hmm. I've been giving a dollar from each copy sold from Hat Trick since it came out in 2013, and so I'm glad to be giving them a little more donation along the way. Cool. Yeah. In other news, uh, this past September was, was it International Podcast Month? It was International Podcast Day on the 30th. The day, okay. It was International Podcast Day on September 30th. I hope you all celebrated by listening to your favorite podcast. Uh, also, on the 30th, they handed out the 12th Annual People's Choice Podcast Awards, of which we were nominated. Yes, we were nominated in the LGBTQ category alongside, I believe it was nine other uh, podcasts. And we're, we get, we send our big congratulations to the Derek and Romaine show, uh, who won in the category. Uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. As a podcast, before they were a podcast, they were a radio show on Cirrus. Uh, and we we congratulate them. I, I'll be honest, when I saw them in the lineup, I, I was pretty sure they'd get it. It's like, they got it locked in. Because they they've done this for a long <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> I, I've known Romaine for a while. We met during one of the Cycle for the Cause rides. She's an awesome, awesome lady, and I couldn't be happier for these two. Yes, congratulations to the two of them. Uh, really quickly, uh, let's mention a podcast we recently discovered called Talk of the Tune. Um, this show, uh, every episode, explores an episode of He-Man. Um, <laughs> uh, that classic 1980s animated series okay it's eventually it's just it's two scottish guys hanging out talking about episodes of he-man it is absolutely hilarious uh they really do a really funny deep dive into oh each God. episode um <laughs> proving how cuckoo bananas the series really was um so if you think uh scottish accents are sexy and you like comedy and if you happen to be into uh, Masters of the Universe, we highly recommend checking out um, Talk of the Tune. Absolutely. Uh, I don't even know that I would care what they're talking about because the <laughs> accents are really awesome. <laughs> we, we love them to pieces. Check out that show. Uh, we highly recommend it. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for folks. Also, we want to mention that September, uh, September 2017, uh, as a matter of fact, yes. was our um, most highly... Listened to month, uh, ever. ever. Yeah, <laughs> is that the the? Is that there is a, true. A name for the metric? What is it? The most downloaded episodes? Is yeah. That, yeah. Uh, okay. This is specifically around our our podcast downloads and not our YouTube views because mm -hmm. we've had a we've had a few episodes that have gone cuckoo bananas on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but this is specifically around our podcast downloads. We exceeded for the month, mm -hmm. so we had a lot of people. From, the, from as much as I could tell, looking at the numbers, we had people who maybe took the summer off and came back and picked up some episodes that they might have missed. We also seem to have had uh, some new people, so welcome if you're new to the show. Glad to have you here, because we had a lot of people downloading a lot of stuff out of our backlist. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, plus, we had our highest downloaded week ever on September 18th, which was the week that Suze was here last. Mm-hmm. Uh, so her episode certainly played into that, and we we suspect we got some of you into our into our listening group uh, from that episode. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the new folks. Thank you for continuing to help our podcast to grow. Yes. So whether you are a listener who has joined us since the very beginning in episode one, or whether you have just discovered us, mm-hmm. uh, we're very grateful to have you here. And we hope you continue to join us each and every week talking about the subjects we love. Uh, Gay romance and all that pop culture goodness. All that good stuff. Uh, Now, if you enjoy this show, you can, of course, join us on Patreon. For as little uh, as 25 cents an episode, your pledge on Patreon can help support the... uh, This podcast. This podcast and help us pay for some of the back-end production costs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, for those fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of some of our upcoming guests. All patrons have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to you. Using from good old snail mail. Yep, exactly. Also, every month uh, we will produce a special bonus video uh, where we talk about stuff that we've been up to. Uh, we also answer any pertinent questions our, our Patreon pledge people may be curious about. Look at you extending that uh, alliteration uh, moment. I don't know where I just pulled that out of. (laughs) Anyway, if you're curious about what it's like to be a supporter of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, just join us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So I'm excited to welcome Christina from Christina's Bookshelf back to the podcast. Hello. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Good to see you as always. So recently, the last week of September, you ran a week de- devoted to debut authors, which is so cool because sometimes for the debut authors, it's so hard to pick up and get noticed in the first place, right? Because you're brand it's, new and it's like, re- you know, you're, you're yeah. that, do I want to give somebody my book? Should I give them my book? Will they take my book? And now you're doing a whole week for it. So kind of what was your inspiration for that before we kind of dive into some of the books? It just seemed like there were a lot that came out at once. It seemed like one right after another, there was debut author, debut author, debut author. And I was like, I've been friends with a lot of these people, and I didn't even know some of them were writing books, (laughs) because that's how much I pay attention to the world around me. And so I was like, I want to read and review. I want to read and review. And I I thought, you know, I'm going to do a debut author every week. And then I was like, why don't I just do a whole week dedicated to debut authors? And so that's what I decided to do is just kind of celebrate their dreams coming true, I guess. How did you pick the books that you went after? Or did you just put out a call to all debut authors? Give me your books. I didn't even put out a call. Like I bought two of them and two of them were given to me after I had just made like a thing of, wow, there's a lot of debut authors. Then a couple of them, we're like, well, I'm a debut author. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and so that's how I got the other two. But I mean, I just, people were like, hey, I wrote a book. And I was like, holy crap. So who, who made the cut? What, what do we have to, what, what do we have to look at in terms of, of these books? We have um, Letting Go, Love by Design Number One by Morningstar Ashley. And it looks like this is going to be May, December, which is one of my favorite tropes. <laughs> 
And it looks like we're going to be dealing with some mental health issues, which I like because it seems that pretty much everybody in the world has something. And I hate when it's like brushed under the rug. And one of the main characters is the guardian of his younger sister. So I kind of like that there's a, the kid aspect and he has to be like responsible for somebody else other than himself. So it's going to be watching him cope not only with his anxiety, but with her as well. So I think it's going to be really good. And then number two is Looking In by Michael Bailey. Like, I didn't even know he was writing a book. And then he's like, I have this book coming out. And I was like, oh, I'm a horrible friend. <laughs> and um, it looks like we have one main character who has, um, after his mom died, was physically and emotionally abused. And it breaks my heart because I, I hate to think of why he would have been abused. Especially at that time. Right, right. Like... I mean, it's bad enough to get it any time, but coming right off of the death of a, of, a, of a parent. Right, you know, and that might have been the only source of comfort that he had, and now it's gone. And so he feels, you know, like he's unlovable, untouchable. Nobody's going to want him because he's been, you know, abused and he's not completely lovable to himself. And then the other character is um, a Marine, very protective, and I think it's going to be, I think this book is going to be probably like the most emotional out of all of them. And I'm kind of looking forward to hopefully having that little cry session with it. And then book number three is Coffee and Bourbon by Jasper Gray. And this has a transgender um, main character. So that was really, I we just don't see enough of those. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm looking forward to Reading it, the main character who's transgender owns a coffee house and um, kind of falls for the bad boy that just moved into town. And I think that's going to be, I think this one's going to be fun. I think there's going to be some sadness because he's lost his family along his transition, but I think um, it's going to be fun. And then the last one is Damage Control by Lynn Van Dorn. And we have a Hollywood star, an up-and-coming Hollywood star, who's a side, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's hit with a scandal, like somebody wants to take him down a peg or two, and so he can't become this big Hollywood person. So he goes back home, and uh, somebody that he's known all his life, his publicist says, you know, it might be good if you have a boyfriend in the view of this uh, scandal. And so... You know, we have the whole fake boyfriends trope that's going on here. And I think it's going to be hilarious. And so he's like, okay, you know, let's be fake boyfriends. And, of course, you know, it's always going to lead to something more. And um, I was told by the person that gave me the book that there's some sensitive topics of um, rape and self-harm, but they're mentions. It's not like an in-depth going forward that the book is not supposed to be dark or angsty. So I think it's just going to be a quick memory or a lapse. And then we get to the good stuff. So I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to all of them. I think they're all going to have their own emotions. I think they're all going to have their own highs and lows and they're each going to be just an individual right into the person that I've been following on Facebook for a while. And I love that they're each so diverse. They don't, you know, they're right. not the same tropes. They're not the same character types. They're not. Right. 
yeah, that's I'm looking forward to as well is that each one has its own. It looks like each one has its own little message theme uh, lesson that you're going to get out of it. And that's what's going to be really exciting is deciphering the lesson. And every book, they say nobody reads the same book. And when I do my reviews, I try to say this is the lesson that I got out of it. And I think that it's kind of fun because other people tell me the lessons they got out of it. And then we can, you know, converse and say, how did you get to where you were? Because that's not even anything I thought about. And so it's going to be interesting to see what lesson that I pull out of this. And then I can talk to other people and see kind of where they went with it too, especially with a debut author. Like, what are you bringing me to, what are you bringing to the table for me to look at that somebody else hasn't already done? So I'm excited to tell you guys all about it. I look forward to, to seeing these reviews. So what we'll do for the people listening is that since this podcast is coming out after the week of reviews, we'll link up to the individual books so people can buy them, but also to each of your reviews so that people can tune in and find out what you thought of each of these books. I think each of these books is going to be fantastic. I hope so. I mean, that's always the wish when you pick up a book, right? <laughs> Yes. I put all up and then I come back and I'm like, ah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so Christina, I'm so glad you, you, you shared these with us. We look very forward to seeing you in Denver uh, in just a few weeks. Yes. In Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams, Jordan Monroe travels to Mackinac Island for the Somewhere in Time fan celebration weekend. Once there, he becomes attracted to local stable owner Miles Coulter. When Jordan learns the stable's in trouble, he wants to help despite Miles' resistance. As their relationship grows, he dreads the issues that face them. Can they forge a love as timeless as the romance in their favorite film? Find out in Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams. Available from DreamSpinnerPress.com, Amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. So during our weekend in Sacramento, we actually picked up and went to L.A. for less than 24 hours. It's the first time I think we've ever done something like that. We went down specifically to see the production of Matthew Bourne's The Red Shoes, which has been playing its U.S. premiere at the Amundsen Theater. Mm -hmm. This was gorgeous. <laughs> I loved everything about it. Now, I've been a big Matthew Bourne fan since uh, he did the all-male Swan Lake, which is well over a decade ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and this new production of The Red Shoes was amazing. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful. It's, of course, based on the classic British film. It's the story of uh, a, a dancer, Victoria Page, and she's sort of working her way up through the ranks of a dance company. Uh, and she falls in love with a, a modest composer. He also works with the dance company. But the... Um, the guy who runs the dance company also has his eye on Victoria. And that sort of sets up the romantic love triangle that's uh, the basis for most of the drama in The Red Shoes. Um, the Red Shoes it also um, refers to the classic Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale uh, in the movie, as well as this new dance production, there is a show within a show, uh, and Victoria is sort of pulled from the chorus, uh, and gets to dance the lead in the brand new ballet of The Red Shoes. Now, uh, comparing this new stage production to the classic film is a little bit like comparing apples and oranges while i mean of course it's the same it's the same source material um i think 
film has its own uh, uh, the film has its its own special quality that you can't necessarily recreate on stage. Uh, Matthew Bourne has presented his own wonderfully unique vision of this uh, specific source material. He's used the music of Bernard Herrmann, the classic film composer. Uh, he's sort of taken different themes from different film scores and sort of melded them all together into a really beautiful symphonic piece, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Uh, that paired with uh, the remarkable choreography uh, from the... Uh, from Matthew Bourne himself, plus the uh, wonderful dancers uh, and actors who uh, portrayed the different roles uh, that Matthew works with. It was all really, really wonderful. The only mm, criticism I might have of the stage production is that um, since we're talking about music and dance, there's no actual dialogue in the stage show. Um, and I think the end... Well, which involves a train, uh, literally kind of comes out of left field and you're kind of left scratching your head. Um, the film, uh, using dialogue and uh, everything else that it has going for it, uh, you kind of, mm, you better understand Victoria's, uh, her... Motivations? Her, her frame of mind okay. and, and why the film ends the way it does. Uh Victoria has to choose between uh, becoming a composer's wife or being an artist and continuing to dance with the ballet company. She can't have both. Uh, and that is basically the crux of the drama and why the movie ends the way that it does. Um, so I think, yeah, that was my only criticism. I think the end is a little um abrupt and a teensy bit confusing it is but i have not seen the film and i'm like <laughs> oh she decided she needed to run in front of a train okay <laughs> so we highly recommend you check out the red shoes both the movie and the stage production if it happens to come to your neck of the woods yeah speaking of neck of the woods uh it wrapped up in la on october 1st uh, and it does have stops uh, through October and just a titch into November. It'll be at the Kennedy Center in D.C., as well as stops in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in New York. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash BigGayFictionPodcast and see what we get up to next. So recently I had the great pleasure to talk to Marshall Thornton and Joel Leslie mm -hmm. about the book Femme. Now, as you'll hear in the, in the interview, uh, it was Joel who brought the book to my attention. Uh, because he messaged me and was like, you really need to read this book. It's really important. It's really awesome. Uh, because he believed that much in the, in the material that he did, uh, for the voiceover for the audiobook, And he was right. The book blew me away, mm -hmm. uh, on its themes and what it talks about. And it's a little different from some of the, of the romances that I've tended to read. Uh, these guys are great interviews. So I think you'll really enjoy, uh, listening to Marshall and Joel talk about this. I'm thrilled to welcome to the podcast Marshall Thornton and Joel Leslie. Marshall is the author of the popular Boys Town series. He has been a finalist for the Lambda Literary Award five times and won once. His romantic comedy Femme was a 2016 Lambda finalist for Best Gay Romance. 
Joel is an audiobook narrator with over 115 titles to his credit. He's the winner of two Audiophile Earphone Awards and was named Best Narrator of the Year 2016 by Sinfully MM Book Reviews. He loves that every day he gets to share these beautiful, inspirational, and empowering GLBT characters with the world. Welcome, Marshall and Joel. Hello, Hi. sir. Thank you for having us. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to have you back, Joel. Yay! And, uh, you're actually the reason we're here talking about Femme, which is kind of the focus of what we're doing today. Um, so when Femme came out in audio uh, this past June, you actually contacted me saying it was like a really honest-to-goodness LGBT romance, and it's a fun treatment of a really important topic, the anti-Femme stigma among gay men. Now... I love the book. I, of course, Joel, when you recommended it, I had to go just gobble it up. <laughs> um, and it was everything you said it was. And it, it does touch on, I think it actually does more than the anti-femme stigma, to be honest. And uh, Marshall, tell us where the inspiration for this came from. Um, you know, I guess I'm kind of a internet junkie and I read a lot of news on the internet and I follow a lot of... Um, gay magazine stuff, and uh, I was seeing a lot of commentary about this subject and about the way that people behave on um, Grindr and places like that, how they talk about no fats or thumbs, and, and it just occurred to me that I'd make a really interesting kind of romantic comedy about opposites tracking. Um, and I guess that was about 2014, and I wrote the first chapter, and then I didn't do anything with it for about a year and a half and kept seeing that same subject coming up. And so every time I would see the subject, I was going, yeah, that actually will make a really good book. And, and then in the spring of 2006, 15, 16, I did it. 16, yeah. <laughs> Last year. I wrote the book in about three months. So, And it, it's not only the this the the stigma as it's as you call it between uh dog and lionel and them trying to form this romantic relationship i mean it goes to the patrons in the bar uh, mm -hmm. and the and the manager of the baseball team and how lionel reacts when he gets his other job and why do you think it is that this isn't really pulled more into uh, traditional romance and even gay fiction in some ways. Gosh. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned since I wrote the book is that there are actually a lot of M slash M books that cover this relationship. Um, they refer to it as an alpha beta relationship. Um, and so it, it's interesting to see people's reactions because some people are like, wow, this is really interesting. And then other Romance readers are like, oh, yeah, I've read about five of these. <laughs> and I had no idea, you know, because I, I have read romance books, but I'm not a big romance reader. So um, it was new to me. And I think it's relatively new in gay fiction. You know, I, I don't know of a lot of other books like it um, that, would you, that you'd call gay fiction. So, Okay. Then that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and we should tell people too, for those who don't know, you tend to operate more in the mystery thriller kind of rom-com genre. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I go back and forth between mysteries and romantic comedies. I don't really write romance. Um, and I've done that for decades. You know, I was doing that when I was a film student. I would write a thriller script, and then I would write a romance script, or a romantic comedy script. Because um, I like both genres. And I like, I mm-hmm. like writing comedy, and I like writing mysteries. So um, I've actually just kind of kept that up. <laughs> and uh, there's aspects, I think, of femme that, touch on romantic comedy. Oh, absolutely. But it does oh, feel yeah. more like a traditional romance. And how did you end up going more that route than kind of the comedy side of it? Or was it because of the subject matter? Gosh, um, you know, you know, my understanding of romance is that you have to have both points of view. Um, and most writers will um, mix that up. Whereas I used a very strict um, back and forth between the characters and also in first person, which is not traditional romance. And, you know, that structure is one that I've used a couple times and it's the same structure that um, is used for About a Boy um, by Nick Hornsby, Mm -hmm. you know, which I would not call a romance. (laughs) So it's kind of, it's it's always been my way of... um, dealing with that audience, you know, it's, who wants to hear about both characters, but, um, you know, that's as close as I got. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's have Joel talk for a while. Uh, <laughs> here, cause the guy who makes his living talking hasn't gotten to talk much yet. <laughs> so you initially told me with the other stuff that you gave me that you called this an important romance. Because here was yeah. a romantic lead who's not the alpha male. You've recorded a few a hundred books now. I take it you don't come across this type well, very often. What? I don't think you come across often a character who has an who has a you the alpha beta thing that Marshall was talking about i mean that comes up a lot when you're narrating like shifter fiction and stuff like that you know when it's very but what you don't end up with is an effeminate character who is um a dominant personality who is comfortable in their own skin and really um kind of is it functions as a hero in the book. Um, and, and that's amazing. I mean, I think what was so is, I mean, I love doing the male, male romance that I do. Um, and, but it is, it is a different animal. And very often in male, male romance, you're ending up with two, the personalities of basically two alpha males that just happen to kind of come together um, you know, when everyone is very often versatile and it's, and that's kind of, it's a, it's a different sort of thing, but this was really, this really spoke to me as something very true and the character just, I mean, they just jumped off the page and they just kind of like grabbed me and, um, it felt like something I didn't get to do very much of, you know, I, I don't, um, I wish there was a lot more LGBT, like like actual LGBT fiction versus male male romance that was out there in audio. Um, 
and it doesn't come across it doesn't come across my you know desk very much and what i loved about this is this is a true lgbt novel by an amazing an amazing gay writer and it is incredibly moving and it's mm-hmm. very romantic and it's very funny and it's a romance but there's not like sex every page it's not you know it's not an erotic romance um it's sexy but it's not like you know there's three sex scenes spread throughout the book and you can sort of anticipate, you know, it's, it was, it was very exciting and very different. And I felt like the, I felt like it was an important, it had a really interesting message and, and one that I've seen people in my life that I care about and friends deal with, you know, I have, um, one of the people that I thought of immediately is I have a friend who's this six foot five guy who actually works, um, at animal kingdom, at Disney and he wears like makeup to work every day and has like incredibly fierce eyebrows. And like, he's not, he's not in drag at all. Like he, he's very, it's very gender fluid, but, um, and he's a top like, a but in a, and it's very interesting that he, he has people make fun of him all the time on grinder. Like, you know, I don't believe that that's what you are like. And it, and having a friendship with him made me really go, wow, I totally, I get who this is. You know, it had a, it hit a personal place for me just because of this friendship. So it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's not to me, like when you told me about this book, what f- kind of flipped it on its head for me is that while Lionel is femme, he is, Don't give I think, it away. the Don't alpha. Give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, he is. Well, you alpha. kind of alluded to it a little bit, so I, I don't did, think I, I did, spoiled I that. No, that's true. Um, Marshall may want us to cut that out. But uh, but no, it's uh, that is also really cool. Like, there's so many... It, it, it's... Those people don't get represented in fiction. Yeah. And, and a lot of that because of... A lot of that in the male-male romance community, which is mostly what we do is probably because that's not as strong of an appeal to female readers, which I totally understand. I mean, you know, cause that's a huge part of that market. So this was a very different book and it's really touched people. Like uh, it really has surprised. And I've had people have really strong reactions to it, which is so exciting. I mean, it's beautifully written. So of course it, they do, but. And let's, let's talk a little bit. Oh, go ahead, Marshall. Um, you know, <clears throat> I would uh, describe the book as being analogous a little bit to Chiclet, more like the relationship between Chiclet and romance um, is kind of what's going on here. And and so, you know, those two genres have huge crossovers, you know, and I think that a lot of M slash M readers would really like the book. And it is, it is different in the sense that it's, you know, follows different, a different path and, and is much more in the romantic comedy zone and the chiclet zone than um, kind of strict romance. Uh, because, and I think that really has to do with um, the character growth is much more about personal realization. Um, it, I, this is the way I describe it. For me, the difference between a romantic comedy and a romance is that um, in a romance, love conquers all. And in a romantic comedy, love is the trophy. Love is the reward mm. for learning a lesson. So, I mean, it's a slight difference, but it's... That's a- really cool. Well, and I've had people have 
very strong reactions to these characters. Marshall, Marshall and I have talked about this and, and I had some, you know, one reviewer in particular, who's a very smart, very good, very prolific reviewer of LGBT fiction. She had like this huge response to dog and, and just thought he was basically a douche. Yeah. And And he is. You know, I mean, he does douchey things. I mean, you know, the really interesting thing for me with that is that I it never crossed my mind that people would say those things about him um, when I wrote the book. And in looking at those comments, um, which I see every so often, you know, I wonder sometimes if it isn't how what their experience of being in the closet is and how closely they can relate to it. Because for me, it was just automatic that, you know, people do incredibly douchey things when they're struggling to get out of the closet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing with me is I, I it was just kind of more like, you know, smack your head, ugh. Like you felt bad for him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I felt bad for him yeah. because it's just sort of so wild, you know, that kind of curb your enthusiasm, like, oh, God, I see it coming kind of rather than. Um, but I do think unless you've. I think you read this book in a very different way if you've had to go through that journey. Um, I think he's a much more sympathetic character in some ways. Uh, and and a very and I think, again, something that isn't really explored much, certainly in the books that I've come across that I've narrated, that sort of journey. Yeah, he does have a very interesting journey through the book from where he starts to certainly where he ends. Uh, and it, it's one of those things like there's so many things going on here because there is the romance and there's, there's Dog's story and there's Lionel's story away from Dog and then there's the, the baseball team. And how did, how, what was your process for threading all this together and giving everything kind of the right balance? Um, That's an interesting question. You know, what it reminds me of, when I was in, I I went to film school at UCLA in screenwriting, and one of my instructors said, you have to learn all the rules and then you have to forget them. And at this point, I don't really think about that stuff very much. I mean, I do, but I don't, you know. I mean, it's just like, it's become very intuitive weaving all of that together and and kind of knowing when the mix is right. I do rely a lot on my training in screenwriting because um, it's it's really it's a great education in story and weaving it all together is just that's the job. <laughs> do you, do you, <laughs> that's very true. Do you are you a, are you somebody who like does the elaborate outlines and does the elaborate plotting or is it I'm starting here and I'm going to end here and I just fill it in no. as I go. I don't have the patience to that. It's, and I, I do a little writing for Screenwriting U Magazine, and I just wrote an article on how to write fast. And I do recommend that people outline. <laughs> but uh, unless someone's paying you, don't get too involved with it because nobody's going to see it. So what I do is I start to outline, and then I get impatient, and I start to write. So I have this incredibly half-assed, incomplete outline when I start. 
and then I get to a certain point in the book, and it's like, okay, I need to stop again, and I need to outline the next section so I know where I'm going. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of um, it becomes very intuitive after a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've got 17 books out, um, so you get very used to doing it and mm -hmm. thinking about. And it, it's interesting, you know, sometimes you'll hear writers talk about, well, the character told me to do this. And I, I don't really think of things in those terms, but you, you're building a story, you know, you're building, you're constructing something. So when you've started in a direction, you have to continue in that way. And so whatever you've built before, you either have to build on it or go back and change it. Mm -hmm. So, does that answer your question? <laughs> I think it did, yeah. Um, how did you two come together for the audio version? Was it as simple as it turned up at ACX one day and you auditioned for it, Joel? Or was it a little more... It was Haley. It was Bizarrely Haley. Bizarrely enough, right. it was Haley, right? Well, actually, um, I did not put this book up on ACX because... You know, it's my eighth audiobook, and so I knew the kinds of auditions I'd get, and I just had this cringing thought about all these people sending in terrible Lytles. And, um, and I was listening to Haley's book, the second um, Skylar Fox book. Um, and that's when I heard Joel, and it's like, I immediately thought, oh, well, he can handle all these voices, and, you know, it doesn't sound inauthentic as so many of the narrators on ACX would in this case. Um, and so I contacted Haley, who I've, I've met several times uh, when I lived out in California, and then I contacted Joel through her. I was very, it was funny, because I was in, when he contacted me, I was in New York at the time for um, a big audiobook convention that they have, and I was already overbooked. And he contacted me and I was like, ugh, not sure I can do this. And I was like, um, and we, we went and, um, maybe we, w anyway, we were in New York. Um, and I was in the hotel room and I think I read like four pages of it. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I have to, I have to do this. There is no possible way. I cannot do this. And Rich was so mad at me because he controls my schedule. And it's just, it, it's, I'm like a, I always am like, can you just spend the space time continuum to find me another four days to do? So, um, but I just, ha I just loved it so much straight away. And I, I, I had to do it. And it was, um, and I was so thrilled to be asked. The, it was interesting because he kind of clearly in Skylar, there's a character called Jamie who's rather flamboyant. Um, and one challenge I had once Marshall came to me via that route was I really worked hard to make sure they weren't the same person. Um, I didn't want them to have the same voice. So that was, that was fun. Um, but again, like, Duo first person, that is audiobook. That's tough. It's hard when you've got two male voices back and forth and you're not using two different narrators, you know? 
So, so as you were trying not to sound like Jamie, and I could tell you having heard both of the books, you're, you're nothing like Jamie when you're Lionel. Um, how, how did you find dog's voice and, and then the nuances okay. with Lionel to make him not Jamie? Um, Lionel is much more, I think Lionel is less of a kid than Jamie is. Mm-hmm. I think Jamie is kind of inside a six year old. And I think Lionel is, I think Lionel is, has a lot more, um, survival kind of jaded's the wrong word, but I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot more bite to Lionel just as a survivor. And it's, and so that helped. And then, you know, I, I knew once I found the sort of range for Lionel and what that rate of speed was and that he was a quick thinker and stuff like that that I needed to kind of find something that would with my own voice still um you know Lionel is a little bit kind of like me on like 12 Red Bull um <laughs> I don't know that I want to see you on 12 Red Bull no just to say um um I'm I, it's so funny I, I I don't drink and I'm one of those people that people are like good um <laughs> uh but um uh dog uh i knew i had to go to a lower place vocally um i knew that it would be useful to make him a slightly slower rate of speaking and he's kind of not he's not dumb but he does dumb things i think he's he he's more his brain is his brain works less quickly than Lionel's does. Um, and something about something about his nickname, this is so silly, but I was thinking of the dog in up, the one that's like, hello, squirrel. <laughs> and something about something about and its name is Doug in the in the up, his name is Doug, which I realized like, but something like about kind of like a sort of a puppy that was too big for itself that kind of had giant feet and big floppy ears and didn't quite know. I think in animals a lot. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, I, I think the first thing that came to mind was kind of like, oh, crap. And like his entire voice came out of, oh, crap. You know, because that's basically what happens to him over and over and yeah. over again. Um so yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Um, and you what's know, so interrupt them. The, the yeah, interesting yeah. thing about listening to you talk about is, is that a lot of those things are things you do when you're closeted, lowering your voice, yep. not wanting to seem too smart because that will draw attention to you. <laughs> you know, so those are all choices that people make um, about how they present themselves. Yeah. Yeah, no. What was it like for you, Marshall, to hear this come to life? Because, of course, you get, like, the initial chapters and stuff to hear how, how Joel's doing and if it works for you, and then it goes from there. I I have to answer that for him first. <laughs> because he was amazing to me. Because when he contacted me, he said... I normally like, he said, I don't normally like audiobooks that are, you know, acted or performed. 
he doesn't like listening to a movie which anybody who's listened to any of my stuff knows that's exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. Marshall, as a listener, prefers what we kind of call a dead read, which is where the narrator sort of doesn't get in the driver's seat and the narrator is merely a verbal conduit that allows the, the um, that, that doesn't, he's not painting with colors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You let the listener do all the work. But Marshall very cleverly and very generously Knowing that it was dual first person and therefore knowing that in order for these two very disparate voices to exist, they couldn't just be read in the same voice. He literally just walked away because I'm answering his question. He just left. Um, But he said to me, I'm probably not going to necessarily like it personally, but I know it's what it needs to be and I'm going to trust you. And that was amazing. Like, that was amazing. So it really meant a lot. So now he can say that he hated it, but I've explained why he hates it, and that's fine. No, no. I just dumped a glass of water all over everything. Um, <laughs> it had nothing to do with what you were saying. You're just clumsy. I made um, him wet. <laughs> now, you know, I'm thrilled with the result. Um, I, knew, I knew choosing Joel that, that, that people would really like it. And, you know, I used to be in theater, and I know that what's in your head seldom happens <laughs> for a writer. And I didn't even want to try mm-hmm. to get that. And I don't even know if that would have been a good decision in this case <laughs> to try to do that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with the results. Did it change your perception at all of, of modern-day performed audiobooks, or...? Is Joel the um, exception to the rule? You'd have to, you know, part of the reason that I, I have those opinions, I think, is that um, not all narrators can do voices, and sometimes it's better to steer them toward simply doing a good storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, unless you have <clears throat> a kind of jack-of-all-trades... <laughs> You know, you're not going to get a good result. And I have had experiences where narrators would send me, you know, his characters, and I'm like, no, let's not do voices. <laughs> <laughs> What's how? How's the reaction been between the a, a romance reader who's let's say pick up any of Joel's audiobook titles because they like what he does and they like the genre he's working in, versus somebody who may come into this book without being a regular reader inside the genre? Um, I think that, you know, people identify a lot, I think, with um, with Lionel in various ways. The, one of the things that, one of the speeches that's in there, I think, um, is about being an outsider and how everybody's an outsider at some points and, and people really seem to connect with that. And I think, you know, depending on how much experience a reader has had with that, um, that really can color their read. Um, and certainly, you know, I th- sometimes romance readers really want to read about people they'd like to date. <laughs> and that's, uh, those are not characters I'm particularly good at. <laughs> 
because I like characters who have a little bit of challenge to them um, and conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so sometimes, you know, if you think in turn, if you're trying to design characters that you know everybody will like and and everybody will want to go out on a date with, um, that that shaves off a lot of edges. <laughs> makes conflict very difficult um, and, and, I, and you know I have a lot of respect for the romance writers who still ma- who manage to get those characters you know that people love and still make you know you still use high conflict so I had I had friends that do not read romance really at all as a genre that I was like you have to read this book like I had gay friends that I was like this book will mean so much to you and it will touch you and it will stay with you. You have to read this. Um, and I had a bunch of, I've had many of my, my sort of romance listeners love it too. And I think a great thing about it is I hope that in some ways it makes some of those romance listeners gives them a little bridge to sort of look at other LGBT fiction that doesn't necessarily you know, fall under pure romance, like Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda, which is one of my favorite books, like, ever. And, you know, that, but that's not ever going to show up in, like, an audible romance search engine. Um, so I think that's really, really cool. And I, I mean, I think what's funny is we've had, I've had, like, I've gotten, there's been reviews that have, like, the headline of the review was, like, I want to marry dog. <laughs> and there's been those people that are, like, I want to shoot dog. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the mark of a great character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's it's if the character is a cardboard cutout, all black and white, then then that's not nearly as interesting as like you know we're all kind of we're all not the perfect puzzle piece. You know, you just need to. It's and um and I just I just loved it. And like really, anybody that I think that. What really resonated, I mean, this is, this happens, like this horrible, like way that we treat each other and the kind of like judgments that we make about one another within our own community where you kind of feel like we should sort of like all be on the same side and look after each other and be supportive, you know, like, you know, there's a, there's a website called Douchebags of Grinder that you can go on to and like look at, but it's like, it is this is the way people are. It's like, oh, I'm straight looking for other straight guys. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But, but like, it's, it's very interesting. And like, you know, people do the same thing with, with African Americans and with Asians and with, but this weird thing of like people who are comfortable enough to celebrate actually like their gayness really can frighten people and 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 that's very it's it's such an interesting thing about us and i think it's important and it makes people it certainly makes you think about yourself and like how you adjust yourself when you do anything you know how you're how what kind of masks we wear Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, you know we don't think about that very much you know but i mean gay people particularly gay men do a lot of code shifting and, and it's so unconscious. You know, it's like in different situations you behave differently. Um, and you, you see it sometimes um, in other groups more easily, you know, but 
it's definitely there. <laughs> and do we get to see any more collaborations between you two, perhaps, at some point down the line? I hope so. Maybe, yeah. I slipped Joel a book. We haven't talked about it, but I have slipped him something. And Joel looks confused. I for those this who is are what just happens. on the audio. This is, I'm not allowed I'm not <laughs> I'm not allowed to look at things. Um oh my uh, god, okay, I have to go back now and look at it again. I'm so excited. Yay. Uh, well, and you're gonna be asking soon what we're up to. I have a new mystery series, which I've slipped to Joel. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> which is lighter than the Boys Town books. And, um, it's a little more like a cozy. Uh, set in the nineties in a video store. Oh, I saw the cover for this on your website. The book came out like in July, right? No, actually the book came out um, September 15th. Maybe the blog post was delayed in July. You know, I think it, it, it I think the, you might, have cover, you might have cover revealed and maybe that's yeah, what I saw. Yeah. And there was a pre-sale for two months. So, um, I tell mean, us I a little bit about that because this, this will be coming out October 2nd. So that'll be out for people to go pick yeah. up. Um, you know, it's, both uh, the, both of my mystery series take place in places that I used to live. For the Boys Town books, I lived in Chicago in the 80s and, and use a lot of my memories for that. And, and this is set in Silver Lake in California where I lived in the early 90s. And uh, so I gave my character a, a video story, which is actually really fun to, um, to work with as a mystery writer because he has access to a lot of information about people. Indeed. <laughs> I used to work at a video <laughs> store, and yes, we do know a lot. Oh, I may need to send you some questions. Um, but it's, it's a cozy, so it's an amateur um, mystery kind of thing. And, and then this book, the first book starts um, at, uh, on the second day of the L.A. riots, um, which I remember very well, and I incorporated some of my memories of what that was like. And, you know. Yeah. So and I'm already working on the second one of those. Cool. It'll probably be out in January. Um, and, and in the middle, there's a Boys Town books coming out in, um, for Christmas. Oh, fantastic. We'll definitely link people up to, to Night Drop in the show notes so they can go pick that up. I love the cover. I'm like, that's a video store. I may have to read that. Video store in the 90s when I was doing it, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, any corrections you have sent to me personally, don't put them in the review. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't do that at all. Um, <laughs> And, and, and how are you adding to your 100-plus titles, Joel? What's what's coming down the pike for you in October and November? Um, I have been doing a tsunami of titles for N.R. Walker. Um, they all kind of hit at once. Um, I just had the third Red Dirt Heart come out for her. And then we have um, a book called Switch that's about to come out. And then another one that is... So great. And um, people that liked Femme will love this book because it's it's a similar kind of tone. Um, it's called The Weight of It All. Um, and it's amazing. I have my first Jordan Castillo Price book coming out that I'm crazy excited about. Um, it's called Hemivore. It's a vampire book. It's awesome. Um, and another one that should be coming out really soon that was that meant a lot to me i campaigned for this book um it's the first ya it's 
Is it Harmony Inc.? Is that what the Dream Spinner? Yeah. yeah. It's their first YA title that they're putting out on audio. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I went to I went to Elizabeth and I was like, please, 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 we need to get these stories out there. You know, they're really important for people to have access to. And I love this story. Can I do it? And she said yes, which was so awesome. And it's um called Mad About the Hatter. It's Alice's brother ends mm-hmm. up in it ends up in a tryst with the Mad Hatter. And it's adorable and wonderful and i get to play all the characters in alice in wonderland um and it's written by dakota chase who is also kiernan kelly sort of it's also kiernan kelly um but it's it's brilliant and it's one it it really was a treat i think it's one of the best things i've ever done just in terms of performance stuff so i'm excited about that fantastic that's a good that's a good agenda that you both have coming up and uh what's the best way for our listeners to keep up with you guys online I'll let Marshall go first because I, I realize I left you both going, who, me? Me? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, actually, if they go to um, Insta Freebie, they can get a, good, a free story, free, a free prequel to the Boys Town books, and that signs them up for my newsletter. Fantastic. Um, and Facebook is probably the best way for me. Um, or, uh, yeah, Twitter is Joel Leslie Fro, F R O. Um, but Facebook is Joel Leslie Frumpkin and I sort of, I'm constantly posting on there and about whatever's coming out and reviews and stuff like that. So that's a really good way to stay in touch. All right. Fantastic. So, we'll, we'll link up to all those things. Plus the books we talked about and, uh, thank you both for coming on and talking about, uh, this wonderful book Femme. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So thanks again to Marshall and Joel for stopping by and talking to us about Femme, and as well as giving us a sneak peek into what they are working on currently and what's coming out in the next month or so. Exactly. I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Mm -hmm. Coming up in episode 105, Megan Maslow will be here as part of the 2017 GRL blog tour, plus Danny from Love Bites Reviews will tell us about what she's been reading lately. Awesome. Those have been really fun interviews to do. Exactly. So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter if you have a book. Until next time, guys, keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 